0: Before I get started here. I wanted to say a big thank you to Jeremy Sewell and Chris Nolan and Pastor Josh Cass for doing a ton of work uh, to get things ready for our, our uh, live streaming and that FM broadcast here in the, the parking lot. I'm incredibly grateful for all the extra work, so thank you very much. And if you know Jeremy Sewell and Chris Nolan and Pastor Josh Cass, if, if you're friends with them on Facebook, look them up shoot them a message, and and let them know how grateful you are for their their work. So I'll start with this, that these are definitely, definitely the strangest days in my life. I know that there are many people who've been around a lot longer than I have, who have seen days like this in the past, and I know that there are going to be days like this in the future. But right now, we have countless people around the globe who are, understandably anxious and overwhelmed and for all of the things people are fearful about what drives most of that fear by far is the fear of death so if ever there was a time that we needed to be encouraged in our faith by King Jesus if there is ever a time where we needed to be encouraged in our faith in the one who is the way the truth and the life it is now, in times like these. The scriptures teach us that God is in the process of turning everything wrong and the world right. And sometimes that's just difficult to see. Sometimes we can't see that at all. But in the meantime, especially when you can't see it, God has given you a hope that persists even in the face of sickness and disease and ultimately death. I think as humans, uh, we spend most of our time trying to ignore death, but death doesn't let us do that, does it? Whether it's the loss of life from disease or accidents or terrorism or war or violence in your neighborhood or in your own home, it all reminds you of the cold hard fact that that death is a reality. Jesus says, the thief only comes to steal And kill and destroy, but I have come to bring you life and that you might have life more abundantly. So, God in His love wants you to be prepared for death and grief, not to be afraid, not to live in denial. He wants you to be prepared for it. And you know why? Because He wants you to really live abundantly here and now. And the only way that you can live with strength, and the only way that you can live with courage, is knowing that you have life in Christ. You will, no doubt, still grieve, even when your faith is strong. You'll grieve the loss of loved ones. You'll grieve the loss of a relationship, you'll, you'll grieve the loss of your job, you'll, you'll grieve the loss of your provision, you'll, you'll grieve the loss of, of life as you know it. And some of you are in the middle of that right now. And the question that can haunt is, is this, God, where are you when I need you? Where are you when I need you? Well, today's scripture tells us three life-giving truths about God. Truths that enable you to face death with hope and courage, physical death, and all the other deaths that you experience in life, so that you can, in fact, live abundantly in the midst of this broken world. Now we're going to be looking at John chapter 11 today, and it opens with verse 1 saying this, now a certain man was ill, and his name was Lazarus. Now, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary were three of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus loved them, and they loved him. And so when Lazarus got a life-threatening disease, verse 3, the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. In other words, Lord, please get over here. We need you right now. But Jesus doesn't go over there right. Now, Jesus waits two days. And meanwhile, his close friend, whom he loves, Lazarus, dies. And by the time Jesus finally shows up, Jesus has been dead for four days. Now, that's the context. Now, three truths about God. And the first one is this. God understands your grief, so be open and honest. God understands your grief, so be open and honest. See, God knows exactly what you need. And he sees that we see that in in his different responses to, to Martha and Mary. Martha, heard Jesus, had finally arrived, and she goes out to meet him. In verse 21, if you're following along in John chapter 11, verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha's hurting, she's frustrated, and she's angry, and she takes it out on Jesus. Lord, where were you when we needed you? My brother is in the tomb now. He's been there for four days. Where in the world were you? Verse 23, calmly, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, Who is coming into the world? See, in the midst of her grief, there was this calm reassurance. The hurt is still there. She doesn't understand, but she knows that she can trust Jesus. She doesn't understand why Jesus let this happen, why things played out this way, but she knows that she can trust Jesus. And she can be open and honest because he understands her grief. Then Mary comes to Jesus and says the same thing. Mary fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. No doubt Mary and Martha were talking to each other about this. There's some common language here. Frustrated, confused for four days. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Now it is often pointed out that verse 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible it is also one of the deepest verses in the Bible because Jesus brings two things to this tragedy that we never could. Total knowledge and absolute power. Now Jesus knew what was going to happen and he knew why. Mary and Martha didn't, we never know. But Jesus has total knowledge. And secondly, he's all-powerful. He has the power to bring Lazarus back from the dead. When we face uh, death or any crisis, we're usually powerless, but Jesus is all-powerful. So if he's all-powerful and all-knowing, why does he weep? He weeps because he's perfect. Perfect love, perfect compassion. He doesn't berate them for their grief or for their fear looking ahead of life without Lazarus? He has compassion. He loves them. And he absorbs their grief, and he absorbs the grief and pain and sorrow that death has inflicted against humankind for thousands of years. And he knows Mary and Martha's grief. He knows it. Uh, personally. And so he goes to Martha with truth and goes to Mary with tears. With Martha, his words are firm. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And then with Mary, he weeps. Two different responses. Why? Well, he's the perfect counselor. He knows exactly what each of them need. Sometimes when when people are grieving, we bring truth when they need tears. Other times we bring tears when they need the truth. But Jesus is the perfect counselor. God understands your grief so you can be open and honest. And your feelings might not be right. You may not be thinking theologically straight. But God will hear you out. He wants to hear you out. God can handle your questions. He can handle your confusion. He can handle your anger. I mean, just read the book of Psalms. It's amazing. It's all throughout the book of Psalms. The author C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, there are two parts of us. For the mother who loses a child, there is the motherhood part of her that will never be satisfied with a long list of verses to claim. And then there is the believing part of her, that eternal sense that allows the mother to release it and let it go, but not without anguish. The mother who loses a child and says, I never really needed that child, that's God's child, is not being completely honest. Part of her le- left, and the part that left, is what made her whole. God is a perfect counselor. Go to him with your questions, even with your anger. He will weep with you when that's what you need and he will remind you of the truth when that's what you need. God understands your grief. Be open and honest. Second, God can do the impossible So pray and believe. God can do the impossible, so pray and believe. As Jesus approached the tomb of Lazarus, it says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Now that phrase right there, deeply moved, is a poor translation. The original word for that, used in other places, is used to refer to a a wild horse or a bull snorting in anger. And when used of humans, it means shaking with rage. Jesus goes to the tomb and he is angry. Now he's not angry with Mary. He's not angry at, at, at Martha. He doesn't say if you only had more faith. He doesn't blame God the Father. He doesn't blame himself. That's what we usually do. Jesus is mad at death and the curse of evil that brings it. So what does Jesus do next? Verse 39. Jesus says, take away the stone. Verse 43, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And in the dark silence of that cave, the cold body began to grow warm. Lazarus stirs like waking from a a deep sleep. He becomes conscious He gets up. He begins to stagger toward the voice that he hears outside the tomb. He stumbles out of the darkness and into the light. The people see him, and they are stunned. He is wrapped in strips of cloth. And in verse 44, Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus was dead, and now... He is alive. Listen, listen to me. God can do the impossible, so pray and believe. You know, often in the midst of crisis, pandemic, death, in the midst of great loss, we are blinded by our fear and grief. And we forget to activate our faith. So let me ask you, what is your impossible situation? Where have you lost hope? I mean, if God can raise the dead, he can heal your marriage. If God can raise the dead, he can provide for you financially. If God can raise the dead, he can deliver you from a life-dominating sin. If God can raise the dead, he can even use the coronavirus for his glory and your good by bringing redemption out of it in ways that you could never imagine. So pray. Pray and believe. That's the second truth. God can do the impossible, so pray and believe. Third and last is this. God does all things right, so trust him and grow. God does all things right, so trust him and grow. Now, God does not always answer prayers when and how you want. Right? And we see that at the very beginning of the chapter. Jesus delays in responding to Martha and Mary's message. In verse six, it says, "So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer, two days longer in the place where he was. Why in the world didn't he go immediately? He had a greater purpose in mind. What you and I need to understand, what we need to understand, is that the Lord is never, ever late. But he often delays. When you're late, you should have been there earlier. When you delay, you intentionally plan to show up later. Now, why do you think that he delays in answering our prayer? Verse 14. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. What in the world? Why does he say that? Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. God delays so that you can grow in your faith. So that you can get a bigger vision of who he is and his kingdom. And trust him far more than you do now. Trust him for something better. Remember when Jesus said to to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He says, I can give you something more. I can give you something better. Uh, To get it, you have to believe. Do you believe that I am the son of God who has come to you? Unless you believe, you don't have it. He doesn't say, if you trust me, someday I'll take you away from all of this horrible stuff and you'll forget all the deaths that you ever experienced. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't promise consolation. Jesus promises resurrection. He doesn't say he'll just take you out of earth up to heaven. Jesus brings heaven down to earth. See, Jesus promises to renew everything. New heavens, new earth. Tears will be gone. Death is conquered by life. I think most of you, I haven't met anyone yet who hasn't had nightmares. I've had my share. I used to dream regularly that someone would hunt me down and shoot me. Scary stuff. I dreamed that I watched my daughter, Victoria, fall off a tall building. I have dreamed of being on my deathbed, saying goodbye to my wife and kids. And many times, many times, I've dreamed that I'm approaching the pulpit to preach, but I have no notes and no pants. (laughs) All of you will have nightmares too. And when I wake up, I just lay there in bed so happy that it was just a dream. That's one good thing about nightmares is the first five minutes after you wake up. It's just a bad dream. You're relieved. Thank God for morning. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection, what he is saying is, A morning is coming when I'm going to make everything that's bad in your life like a bad dream. I'm going to make the worst thing that ever happened to you into something glorious. And it will actually make the glory even greater. The power of the resurrection will make all things right. And so Jesus says to you, do you believe that I am the son of God who has come to rescue you through my life, death, and resurrection? Do you believe that? God does all things right, so trust him and grow. In the face of disease and death and loss, trust him and grow. Well, how can we do that, especially now? I mean, I see a world filled with fear and suffering. If he is God, I mean, why doesn't he stop it? How can I trust him? Well, I understand. And sometimes a bunch of Bible verses just aren't convincing. I mean, they're all true, but often we're just not convinced. For me, it comes down to this. God hates disease and death even more than we do. And we see that when Jesus approaches the tomb of Lazarus he was shaking with rage but it's more than that. Only one thing ultimately convinces me and that's the cross. God hates death so much he was willing to do the unthinkable. The God of life stepped down and submitted to death. He looked death in the face and said, this time I let you win. And the immortal dies. Why? Because it was the only way to destroy suffering and death without destroying us. He was willing to endure ultimate suffering, to bring death to an end and give you life, life with him, life with him forever. The cross shows how much God hates suffering and how much God loves you. The cross proves he can be trusted. Even if you don't understand why something is happening, the cross proves that God can be trusted. I always liked the story about the little boy praying to God. This little boy was just beginning to catch a glimpse of the greatness of God. And in his prayer, he says, God, is it true that a thousand of our years are like a second to you? And God said, sure, that's right. And the boy was silent as that great truth began to sink in. And then he said, God, is it true that a million dollars is like a penny to you? And God says, Sure, that's right. And this little boy was pretty sharp, and so he asked, God, could I have a penny? And God said, Sure, just a second. You know what? That is the message of John 11. When Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. When he says that, he is saying, it's all yours. All of the riches of Christ are yours. All of the riches of eternal life are yours. And you can know without a shadow of a doubt, God will give it to you in his perfect timing. And Jesus says to you, do you believe this? You know, I know many of you know that my wife and I went out of town to meet up uh, with family up in Nevada City, California, celebrating my, my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Shannon and I had kind of a road trip vacation. And right before I left, I received the heartbreaking news about our own sweet Jill Cannon uh, who had been fighting cancer. And I got word right before we left that this cancer took her life. What a horrible day for us. What a beautiful day for Jill. She woke up in the presence of Jesus, fully, completely, totally renewed. Jill was ready, and she would talk to me about it even with a smile on her face. Even when she was talking about her cancer and how her life will soon be over, she still cracked her jokes in the midst of it all just to make us laugh. She was able to have that confidence because she believed. She had a faith that said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and you take away. Blessed be your name. She wasn't cavalier or in denial about her disease and death, but she still trusted in Jesus. She believed. And I want you to believe. I call all of us to believe. To have an ongoing belief in who Jesus is and what he has done. Believe that Jesus lived for you, died for you, saved you, rose again so that you could have life, life with him forever. Believe that he is renewing all things, including you, in his timing. Believe in him as your king and your savior today. Only way that you can have what Jesus offers, primarily, first and foremost, above all other things, a life changing relationship with Jesus. The only way you can have what Jesus offers, even during a global crisis and your own personal crisis, is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who has come to rescue you from death. Through his death. So I'm asking you, do you believe? God does all things right so that you can have life. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me?